This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always, even here when I'm not. Mm. Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but not everything. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Thank you for having me today, Charlie. I really appreciate that. You were right, by the way. What was I right about? Because I was going to keep going, and then I just decided to stop. Okay. And you paused. You, you, you did not sound like you were about to stop. I know. Well, That's, this is Good Morning Liberty, Hawaii's favorite morning show, coming at you bright and early, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time in Nashville, Tennessee. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha to all of our followers over there in Hawaii. We do appreciate you very much. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. There's a very important part right there when we want to. Although lately, I've been trying to pick it up. Even when even when Charlie doesn't want to, I still do it. I want to do this every day. Every single day of the week Look, when Chuck, Nate wants to. Chuck wants to be here every day. Yeah. It's Charlie that has other responsibilities. Gall darn Charlie. <laughs> I know. We got Charlie all over the place. In my house with my wife, it's the opposite. Anytime yeah. something, anytime I do something stupid, it's Chuck's fault. Oh, okay. Yeah. Evil Chuck. It's evil Chuck. Evil but Chuck. Always want to do the podcast. In this, in this case, Chuck wants to be here and Charlie has other responsibilities. He's got to act like an adult for hey, some reason. If you live within driving distance of Nashville, Tennessee, which could be up to 35 hours, something like that, then make sure you come this weekend. The Freer Future Fest that is out at the Sound Stadium, the minor league baseball park. Going to be some great people there speaking, including yours truly. We will be there speaking, talking about privacy this weekend. So come on over there and support some freedom. Be talking about your privates. Um, speaking of privacy, Charlie, uh, we'll talk a little bit of privacy here to start with. Um, why don't you, why don't you kick off here real quick with the very first story about Facebook? You guys know this whole Facebook thing happened this week. Yeah. Which have you, have you watched much about it? This whole whistleblower thing? I'm not, you know, I, I have a, a bit of a conspiracy <laughs> theory for you. If you want that. Not a real whistleblower. Well, but maybe not, uh, maybe not what you would consider a real whistleblower. Because what is she actually blowing the whistle <laughs> on? That's my question. And also, um, this person, this this whistleblower, leaked information to the press, but then also to the SEC, as if somehow what Facebook is doing goes against the Facebook shareholders or something. But the mm-hmm. shareholders of Facebook don't really seem to care. Yeah, I mean, they. Oh, hey, Facebook shareholders, Facebook is prioritizing profit. <laughs> yeah, 
let's make sure everyone knows exactly so but and here's the interesting thing um is that the reason why i think um she whistle blew to the sec which what are they going to do um is because recently i think in uh september it was like a month ago that another whistleblower ended up being awarded like 110 million dollars whoa so there's an incentive there yeah, so if you whistleblow things to the SEC or other, you know, things like that, there's a few different agencies. I don't remember all of them, um, but securities fraud is a big one. So if you whistleblow any inside secrets on that, then you're, I think they give you t- somewhere between 20 to 30% of the fine. Huh, okay. As the whistleblower. That's a pretty good incentive so right that, there. So yeah, the person uh, last month walked away with $110 million. Yeah, wh- Some would say that's life-changing. What I didn't like from this whole thing is that she she definitely seems to be more of an activist because like you're saying with the whistleblowing thing, she didn't tell anyone anything that people don't already know. Facebook had already said that their studies showed that they're, that it wasn't good for teens or whatever, which is how they're going to, by the way, that's how they're going to, they're going to shroud this whole thing that we need to control Facebook around this idea that they're protecting children because Kids. this is what the government does. And they're going to create some type of social media regulatory body. And the basis of that is going to be that they get all the data that the social media companies have. Mm-hmm. And and so anyway, I, I saw just a crazy hypocritical statement from Senator Ed Markey that I just thought we had to mention. All right. So coming from MassLive.com, place where you should find all of your news, MassLive.com. Massachusetts is where, yeah. where you're from. Mass- so. Massachusetts. Facebook Senate hearing. We don't allow your company to harm our children, families, democracy any longer, said Senator Ed Markey. And he warns the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. Has Zuckerberg said anything about this yet? He I has. Okay. I haven't seen it. So... Senator Ed Markey on Tuesday issued a direct warning to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. He was very direct about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. it was issued. It was stark, mm-hmm. I bet. Calling on the tech leader to overhaul a business model that a whistleblower testified favors profits and marketing to younger users at the expense of public health and safety. Public health. Public health and safety. Mm-hmm. In a hearing on Capitol Hill, the Massachusetts Democrat hailed former 15-year Facebook employee Francis Hagen as Haugen. Haugen, my bad, as a 21st century American hero. <laughs> 21st century American hero. You think folks. they say the same stuff about Edward Snowden? <laughs> my good Lord and God, for her courage, the bravery it took this woman to speak out against the social media juggernaut. Zuckerberg's company, which dipped by 5% in stock value during a record outage Monday, which was by also, was also strange. It too. was weird. Crazy timing. Faces new calls for reform and oversight after a Wall Street Journal investigation and documents provided by... What was Haugen. It? Haugen. Detailed how Facebook's own research, the research they did themselves, shows its marketing and algorithms have led to harmful content and misinformation going viral despite all their efforts to not, to not let it quote your time of invading our privacy, promoting toxic content and preying on children and teens is over. That's Marky said in reference to Zuck. You can just say whatever you want now. Now the first lot, the first few words of that are what really triggered me while I've been spending all my time working on this speech about privacy, your time of invading our privacy. I, the, the goal the gall of someone in the government that we ask you for, by the way, yeah. <laughs> the, the gall of someone in the, in the government going to a company that, that tries to protect, you know, if, the, if there's a big leak from Facebook of people's data, uh, their stock goes down a bunch after that. Like people want Cambridge their Analytica. Yeah. People want their privacy, but the gall of someone in the government to say that your time of invading our privacy is over. It's, the the gaslighting has become amazing it's it's honestly it's boss level yeah it mm-hmm. is i want i think they teach it in school in yes. lawyer school that all these guys go to anyway so, um, so let me read that again for you your time of invading our privacy promoting toxic content and praying on children not like to the lord jesus christ of almighty latter-day saints not that kind of pray Praying on children as if they were prey and you're a predator. And teens is over. Uh, Congress will be taking action. 
You can work with us or not work with us. They're going to work with them. <laughs> we will not allow your company to harm our children, our families, and our democracy any longer. See, that's that's what you got to do. You just pin them up against the three main things. Children, family, democracy. Public health. Public health. You're that Whether or not you are actually doing it, we're just going to say you're harming it. Uh, we, we will act. This is, this is I think, all... Uh, we all saw this coming. We've talked about this several times that in fact, Facebook argues for its own regulation mm-hmm. so that they can help create the regulation that makes them a, a, a bigger business. That's harder to compete against. They also know I was watching CNBC the other day and they, I can't remember who it was that was talking, but they were saying that shareholders weren't really worried about regulation because Facebook would be able to handle whatever the regulation was and actually it would hurt their competitors and it would end up helping Facebook. Amen. And that's literally what they were talking about in relation to Facebook stock price. Don't worry about this. It's actually just going to hurt Facebook's competitors. Yeah. Which is what we see all the time. It's crazy. So then it's not securities fraud. They're not defrauding their investors. Mm hmm. Considering their marketing was focusing on profit. And they're all, they're saying that they're, <laughs> they're promoting toxic content. They're not. We've said this a bunch this week, but Facebook shows you what you told Facebook you want Facebook to show you. That's what they show you. Mm -hmm. All right. They don't show you things that they don't think you'll like. If they think that you're not going to like it or you're not going to stop on it, they won't show it to you. That's why they don't show you pictures of of your family because they know you don't want (laughs) to see that. They want to show you all the other stuff. Because you're tired of looking at Cousin Eddie. I can't figure out, you know, I think the whistleblower is a plant, but I can't figure out if she's a plant from Elizabeth Warren or from Facebook because Facebook wants the regulation. Yeah. And so do a lot of people in the government. So both of them have an incentive for this to happen, to trigger this finally to happen for public health and for the children. Yeah. Because we're super worried about the children as the government. Speaking of, you know, here's why this is, here's one reason why this is so hypocritical. You guys know why it's uh, it's hypocritical for all sorts of reasons. One of them, I was reading this article on Forbes entitled Inside America's Secretive $2 billion Research Hub. So I don't, I had never heard of this company before, but the government's been contracting with them for a while. They're called MITRE corporation i'm pretty sure they're nonprofit too they are a nonprofit. yep i've looked into this company mm-hmm. before miter corp so this is where this is where the government goes to get all of its new innovations and technologies that this is just a they miter has teams of people just thinking shit up all the time mm-hmm. that's what they do that's that's what they specialize all in. funded by the government and so the government's asking them to do some things among the government's Orders to MITRE that they're asking for is a prototype tool that can hack into smartwatches, fitness trackers, and home thermometers for the purposes of homeland security and for your safety. That should be fine. There's no reason for them to hack. Software to collect human fingerprints from social media websites like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the FBI and support in building what the FBI calls the biggest database of human anatomy and, and criminal history in the world. And also a study to determine whether someone's body odor can show that they're lying. Another (laughs) random one in there. And you just, then you have the government come up and accuse other people of invading our privacy. When we have a choice to whether or not we're going to use Facebook. Like, yeah, Facebook collects a lot of stuff on you, but you chose to use it. Like all of you know right now that Facebook has taken a bunch of data from you. They know what you're doing. Now with Apple's new update, they're stopping a lot of that, but you all know it and you're all still going to use it. Meaning that you did make a choice to do it. Do you have a choice whether or not the government's going to invade your privacy? No, no, no choice in the matter yet. They can stand up and chastise other people for invading your privacy. In fact, in a lot of States, it's, it's pretty much illegal to live off the grid. (laughs) <laughs> you can't. So if you try to hide from the government, they, it's it's illegal. It's like impossible to do. A lot of states, it's still illegal to cr- collect rainwater, as if somehow mm-hmm. the government owns the rain. They own water. They own the water. That's how good they are. Yes. That's how powerful they are. They own water. We were talking the day, anybody who owns houses out there, you guys know this, but we were just talking the other day about how ridiculous it is that you, you have to rent your property from the government every month. Mm-hmm. Every month. And some of you, it depends on where you live, but like from a hundred to a thousand dollars a month, it's ridiculous. Well, absolutely ridiculous. I'm sure they did a 
property tax moratorium over the last couple of years, right? Yeah, of course. You know, right? The the rent that they're charging you for your ground, they, yeah. you didn't have to pay that. Yeah, over the last couple of years. Yep, it's uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, all the cool things you receive for that renting that property. Mm. Um, the next story that Charlie's going to read because I'm going to be laughing so hard in my mind. I was talking to everyone <laughs> beforehand. I have no idea why this story was so funny to me, but it's imagining the scenario between the governor and lieutenant governor in Idaho. And I just made it a really funny scenario in my mind for some reason, but it's cracking me up. Okay. So tell everyone about it and I'll, I'll try to figure out why the heck I think it's so funny. Cause this I don't know why from the WAPO. Thanks Jeff. Idaho's governor left the state. His Lieutenant governor took power and banned state vaccine mandates. Where'd he go? He just, why? anytime they leave the state, they transfer the power to Lieutenant governor. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Idaho Republican Governor Brad Little left the state Tuesday. His second in command was empowered with executive authority in his absence. As acting governor, Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan, also a Republican, issued an executive order Tuesday afternoon banning state officials from requiring COVID-19 vaccine passports from new or current employees. Little quickly promised to undo McGeechan's order as soon as he returned from touring the U.S.-Mexico border with a group of fellow Republican governors. Why is Idaho's governor going to the border? <laughs> it's very important. This is the second time the state's top two officials have battled after Little left the state and McGeechan seized the opportunity to issue an executive order in his absence. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> While Little attended a Republican governor's conference in Nashville in May, McGeechan banned local governments from issuing mask mandates. <laughs> Little, saying he wanted those local governments to have control over their communities, rescinded her order when he returned the next day. <laughs> Idaho's constitution requires the lieutenant governor to take over when the governor is out of state. The top two elected leaders run for office separately, not on a joint ticket. So... They have disagreements. That's <laughs> I don't know why I thought this was so funny, but I'm just imagining the scenario where one, the governor is afraid to leave state because you have <laughs> yeah. no idea what the, what the lieutenant governor is going to do in your absence. Yeah. And every time I just imagine like the parents leaving and the kid getting the liquor cabinet or, uh, you know, a, a, a couple bickering over things like there's this, you know, there's a, like this photo on the wall or you don't want to every time the husband leaves, like she goes and like takes it down he comes back and he puts it back up and he leaves and she goes, takes it down every single time. It's just really funny. Like, Oh, I left and oh, I'm just going to issue some executive statewide executive orders while yeah. you're gone. Well, while dad's out of the house, the mom's making new rules. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's hilarious. Oh, um, that is really good. Now backstory on this. She is, uh, she in, is intending on running for governor. And so this is really just a campaign move for her. She's yeah. trying to make it known that she wants to ban mandates. Yes. So it's really just a political move, a campaign move, but, <laughs> and that part is genius too, because if she ends up running against him, like in the primary, I mean, you literally have an example of something that, she did and he took back and she did and he took back. And so you're drawing a line right there between those two people and making him take a stand on that actual evidence, <laughs> real evidence. I yeah. tried to do this and he took it back this, this many times. So if you want to ban the mandates, then you want to vote for me. It's if actually, I were her, it's a genius. If I were her, I, I would write an executive order that says no further executive orders allowed. Mm -hmm. Then what do you do? Also, you put in there. Also, you can't rescind executive orders. Yeah. This executive, executive order, order says you can't rescind executive no. orders. You come back and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, how are you going to do that? So cat and mouse, the classic cat and mouse game here. All right. Um, next, next thing here, this starts to get a little, a little bit heavier and annoying with the gaslighting. There's a lot of gaslighting Could, going hang on. on. Could you imagine just waking up in the morning <laughs> and just Janice waking up in the morning <laughs> And just being like, oh, this is the order I'm going to write today. Yeah, and <laughs> do this. Please send this through. <laughs> she looks out the blinds to make sure that the, the governor's not back yet. That's, that's so great. <laughs>
No, I was a little story. bit delirious last night when I was reading it, but I was literally crying yeah. when I was reading the story, imagining the whole scenario. I like it. I mean, I'm not crying, but I like it. A little bit of uh, a, a little... Could you imagine if you and I were governor and lieutenant governor? <laughs> <laughs> that would be really That's, funny. It's like really, everything's civil, you I just, know? I'd just be doing... <laughs> we'd be going to shake and bake everywhere <laughs> we go. Shake and bake, baby. <laughs> Oh, Republicans. This is from the, the WAPO also thinks I feel like I want Jeff, to keep cutting in with the previous story because we'll I've done it like five it. times <laughs> and I will rescind your cut in with the previous story. <laughs> Republicans are siding with the angry mob. Here's some gaslighting one on one for you. Mm. Now, what, what we've also from the WAPO. Also from the WAPO. I, I I paid for the WAPO, so I figured we might as well use some. You're just giving money to Jeff's rocket. Just giving money to Jeff. Any way I can, I try to give money to Jeff every single day. Republicans in Congress have seen the threat of mob violence, and they are going to do something about it. Of course, they're referring to Jan 6 right there. Jan 6. Never, they're, going, forget. they're going to defend the mob and make sure law enforcement doesn't crack down too hard on it. That's the clear message being sent from up and down the right, up and down the right. Politicians, pundits, and conservative media in response to the memorandum from the Department of Justice laying out an effort to address the rising tide of angry threats directed at school boards and education officials. Mm. So they're starting off here with, they've seen the angry mob because look at January 6th. And now that they're upset that the Department of Justice is responding to the National School Board whatever association uh, and saying that they might be able to use the word terrorism with what the parents are doing. They didn't call them terrorists. DHS has not called them terrorists. DOJ hasn't called them terrorists, but they they did speak about how this was like terrorism, mm -hmm. like domestic terrorism. And now this means that the, the Republicans are bending to the angry mob. Now, you've never seen any other political sides of an aisle bending to an angry mob. We've never seen that before. No. There's a, actually people on the right. That's the only angry mob that there is. There aren't any other angry mobs. I've only seen mostly peaceful angry mobs. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mostly angry mobs. That's what you care. Mob intimidation. Here's what they're saying. Mob intimidation is an appropriate response to any public policy they disagree with. Mm. This is what the right believes that mob intimidation is an appropriate response to anything that Republicans disagree with mm. these evil. I mean, the gaslighting that's going on right here, you know, is on fire. It is on fire. It's been lit with gas and it's on fire. This all started because of a trend that has become disturbingly common. Local officials who heretofore did their jobs with little notice becoming the target of right wing rage. Mm. It began with public health officials who are defending their communities from COVID-19 by implementing shutdown orders and mask mandates and found themselves targeted online over the phone and even at their homes by a relentless campaign of threats and harassment. Now, I want to say it's not okay to send threats and harassment. Yeah, I don't think you should threaten yeah. or harass anyone or hurt anyone. Although there's, there's arguments someday to be made where eventually you're going to draw a line and say, Maybe this person is at least deserving of some threats and harassment eventually to defend, you know? to defend your life, to defend your life, liberty, liberty and property. And property. Yes. Yeah. But some people might look at this as defending their life, liberty and property. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not defending the harassment and the threats. I don't, I don't think that you should do that, especially in this scenario right here. I don't think it's going to have much use, but we're just really talking about a lot of people yelling at people at school board meetings. That's been the bulk of everything. It's been mostly peaceful and now it's teachers principals and school boards whipped up by a campaign of race baiting meant to convince white people that their children's schools are a hotbed of radical teachings combined with festering anger about the supposed oppression of having to wear a mask when indoors in large groups that's the only time mm. not all the time just indoors in large groups at times that anger is boiled over into angry shouting at school board meetings but officials have also been subject to threats and harassment, which is illegal. It's right? already illegal. It's already illegal right now. They can already deal with this. So the Justice Department put out its memo, which says, while spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence. Attorney, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Okay. All right. So call the cops if someone's threatening violence against you. 
I don't know if we have to have the FBI involved in this, gathering the names of everyone who goes to school board meetings, which is what they're talking about right now. They already have them. Yeah, they do. Um, You know, from watching that show Billions, it's it's cool to hear them say general. Like when the the general calls them. Yeah. Not attorney general. It's not AG. It's the general. It's the general. Attorney General Merrick Garland instructed the FBI to work with U.S. attorneys to convene meetings with federal, state, and local officials that will facilitate the discussion for strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. A reasonable person will respond that convening meetings to facilitate discussion might or might not wind up producing anything at all, but it's hardly a Stalinist purge. A Republican senator, a conservative media personality, on the other hand, would see it as a golden opportunity for some grade-A demagoguery. He's just, this is what you know about the right and no one else. That's the problem. I'm not saying the people on the right are perfect, but the gaslighting is amazing. And like, this is what we know about people on the right. They use these situations for demagoguing, hyperboles, and threats of violence and mob violence anytime they don't get their way. And that's what Mm -hmm. we know about people on the right wing. And they're just not civilized like us people over here on the left wing. Yeah, they were burning down buildings and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here's the real problem. Threats of violence. This sentence right here. Threats of violence against public officials are now simply part of the Republican repertoire. That <laughs> That's what it is. That's what just, you know about Republicans. You just make the claim. Threats of no, violence. No evidence to back it up. This is what we Besides know about Besides Jan them. 6, I guess. I mean. Just Jan 6? Mm-hmm. This is, you see how important each one of these things is. Like when you blow things out of proportion or bad things happen and the government starts to take advantage of them. That's why it's important to make distinctions with January 6th. Like, um... Was it a good thing to do? Was it smart to do? No, it wasn't a smart thing to do because a lot of bad things can come from it. Was it an insurrection or a coup? No, or it was just the worst, most god-awful insurrection and coup that you've ever seen. Like, oh, crap, we don't have any guns. I mean, they still got into the Capitol building. With, they did get in. With flagpoles. And then when the people with guns no got shots there, fire. They, they left. Yeah. <laughs> Um, even if most people who vote GOP would never threaten their local school principal, Republican politicians know that a number of their supporters would. And they're, and they're just totally fine with that. They're fine having supporters that would threaten local politicians, not like the other political ideologies mm-hmm. that are out there. You seems, would never see that. Seems like they're following a certain playbook that was mm-hmm. already done. One previously. level below that, the furious mob screaming over a lie they've been told on Fox is seen by these, those politicians, not as a dangerous threat to society, but as an instrument for them to regain power. Ooh, we got to worry about these evil, terrible people who are trying to regain power by following what the mob mentality wants to do. And that's obviously Republicans. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So they'll do what they can to protect that mob, condemn its targets, whatever they are, and find any excuse they can to portray themselves as courageous and oppressed. What? Yeah. Literally following the exact, this, mm-hmm. this, as you mentioned, this is gaslighting super boss level. It's, I mean, you can't. Beautiful. You, this is, <laughs> this is Bowser on steroids in the last level of Mario. I mean, <laughs> where you can't save the princess. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally gaslighting to the essence of taking what you what your party actually did and then painting the picture that the other party is doing that when they haven't done it yeah but what you actually did you're saying the other person did and they've never and you have no evidence to suggest they did they've done it at all what you you literally did we had some people posting in the group about Maxine Waters saying that you need to get up in people's faces, make them uncomfortable. Protect the mob, condemn its targets, and find any excuse to portray themselves as courageous and oppressed. <laughs> it's, he's basically laying out the playbook for us. And you see how hard it is to argue against things like this because you're, there's no way to say this in a way that you don't just sound, you just sound defensive. That's all it is. You just sound defensive because they've came out and they're right. And this is what you're doing. And if you're like, wait a second, this, this is not what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. And look at all these things that you did. Look at what Maxine Waters said. Look at, you know, there's, there's crazy stuff that we don't talk about. Like, of course, people on the right are spreading hate and violent rhetoric and causing divisiveness. It's, uh, 
It's not as if one of Bernie Sanders supporters picked up a rifle and tried to kill a bunch of Republicans on a baseball field or anything like that. Of course, that's not the fault of any of the rhetoric coming from the left. That's just a mentally ill individual that made Mm -hmm. bad choices. It's on him. Bernie would never say to do that. But I don't know if you spend all your time literally calling a group of people murderers and you take someone takes that seriously, because I assume you want them to take it seriously. What do you do when someone's literally out there killing people? You try to stop them. You try to get rid of them. But there's no hateful and divisive rhetoric coming from the left at all. Mm. Not not one bit. You don't see any of that. We didn't just see billions of dollars worth of property property damage last year from people burning well, down buildings. It was in the name of unity. No. It was for the right reasons. That's right. That's what it was. It's for the right reasons. And as long as they decide that it's for the right reasons. Yeah, Rand Paul's neighbor in there, Joe just mentioned. Another Rand thing Paul right and his wife being attacked? Yeah, them being them being confronted and threatened while they were trying to walk from the Capitol to their hotel, which was a stupid idea with everything that was going on. Just sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Rand and Kelly. Well, maybe if he had his other lung, he would have been able to make a better decision. He could have ran away, but he couldn't run because he He's was missing just lung. lost all ec- oxygen to his brain. Mm-hmm. Was all. Couldn't do it. This, oh, it's, uh, man, this is good. This is good. And it's kind of frustrating, right? Because it is. Now, like, what do you... What do you do? You just say, oh, no, you're doing, you're doing this. I don't know if we need to, uh, when you go on the attack, this is just how you get painted. I don't, I don't know what to do about this stuff other than just try to speak the truth as much as possible and be, in, be as principled as you possibly can mm-hmm. and just be on the right side of history at least and try to spread your ideas as much as possible. Find ways that uh, you could take small steps and maybe some little political actions, but also just make sure that you're uh, taking control of your own situation that you're in, you know? And none of this means I'm a fan of the right. There's no. plenty of things that Republicans and conservatives do that I don't agree with. But they're not the ones, they weren't the ones out burning buildings down. No. They weren't the ones actually making excuses that they were courageous and oppressed. No. Or portraying mm-hmm. themselves that way. You do have that whole January 6th Thing. But, yeah, we'll, there is that one we'll Jan, on the old CV right there. Jan 6 yeah. thing that I completely disagree with as well. Yeah, that was a, we said on January 6th, you know, we were, we were reporting live while it was happening mm-hmm. that day. Go back and listen to it. And that this was stupid. Uh, that, and mainly because it wasn't going to solve anything. It was going to make things worse. Yeah. But this is what we've done by devolving into populism, mm-hmm. right? Because one side is going to practice a certain amount and the other person to get them back. And, you know, a lot of people told me they voted for Trump because he, you know, he punches back. They're tired of beating, getting beat down and they, they wanted somebody who punched back. Well, now you're, you're creating this whole thing where it, it's just all about anger mm-hmm. and, and who's it's, you know, populist versus populist now. And that's what you're, you're creating this massive divide where you, you're, poking the bear and then when the bear eats you you're upset about it the problem is you keep the cycle you it's not that you should never punch back or you should never defend yourself or say what the truth is or right and like i'm not that, saying that that's not what i'm saying <clears throat> yeah i know i'm just uh, i'm just you know get getting that out there for any new listeners but eventually someone has to break the cycle because if everyone keeps doing the same things then you never, like we said, well, the the Republicans were totally fine with all this spending that happened while Trump was in office or while Bush was in office or while Reagan was in office and or while Bush was in office. And they were totally fine with all of that. And then when you get to the next person, the person can always look back and say, well, look, look what you did right there. And so you never have that principled leg to stand on, just like the Democrats right now are saying, while Trump was in office, our, our debt increased by... $8 trillion while he was in there. Now all of a sudden Republicans act like they care about spending, which they're right. They're right on that. And they've got you on that, Republicans that are listening. you got to be principled and be that way all the, all the time because now you got no point to argue from anymore. Mm-hmm. And so eventually someone has to break the cycle. So when you criticize someone for doing something, they don't have the easiest thing in the world that they can do, which is turn around and say, well, you literally do the same thing. You know, then you just never, then no one ever stops doing it. Bunch of hypocrites. It just gets, just keeps getting more. Speaking of spending, crazy spending, we can kind of go back and forth on this if you want, but go, go on ahead. I was proud of CNN for posting this out yeah. there. 
from CNN. This is uh, this is so interesting, folks. We talk about this all the time. And, you know, I was talking to Stephanie the other day. We were talking about, you know, vaccine mandates and things like that. And we had a really good discussion about, you know, because she's in a world, she's an ER nurse. So she's in a world where she sees the worst of the worst and how, you know, people can get vaccinated and they're not. And, and people are quitting their jobs or or being fired for not taking the vaccine and all this stuff. And she's like, well, I just don't understand it. So we had a really good discussion about principles and rights and all those different types of things. And one of the things that we talked about was, was like the basis of the principles, meaning that although something might be morally good for you to do or not do, you still have to err on the side of the principle and Liberty because what happens when you say, well, this little piece is okay. And this little piece is okay. I mean, you, you, you turn obese by eating one pet, potato chip at a time. That's true. Okay, it's man? a slippery slope. Yep. It's a slippery chip. It's it's yeah. The chips are slippery and good. it doesn't matter if they got salt on them or not. Good example of this, by the way, one of the other stories that we won't get to today, but uh, we needed wanted to talk about sometime, you know, libertarians argue about seatbelt laws and stuff. And that's, you know, people, People are just going to end up thinking you're crazy when you're arguing that people shouldn't be forced to wear seatbelts, even though you're right, by the way. Anyone who's arguing that, you should be free to take your own risks in your life. You're not putting anyone else in danger by not wearing a seatbelt. Mm. You're putting yourself in danger. But now, several times over the week, I've heard people while arguing about vaccine mandates, they say, well, we mandate that people wear seatbelts when they're riding in a car. And that is why libertarians don't like seatbelt mandates. It's not that we want people to die in car wrecks. It's that it's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And once you allow one thing, there's something else after that that you're going to have to allow. And so you have to draw the line on the principles that you get to take your own risk with your own life and that people can't tell you that you that you can't do that. They can't control you. It's, it's, a, it's a really good example of that because I've heard, I think three times this week, I've heard people say, well, we mandate that people wear seatbelts. Mm -hmm. Why can't we mandate that people take vaccines? We mandate other vaccines. Which Why can't we mandate this one? Kind of different because you're in a car, and you put a seatbelt on and you take it off. Like you go walk around in society and in public or at your home, you don't still have the seatbelt on you. You know, it's a little, not a great analogy for a vaccine mandate, really. It's not. All. But that whole conversation... And the reason why I bring that up is because this is how you get this. <laughs> and like this all these things that we're upset about, it's like, okay, you allow the government to spend this. And you're like, oh, okay, well, it's okay for this, you know, point. Well, then that's going to balloon to a three and a half trillion dollar spending bill and an extra $10 trillion in debt and the government shutting down and raising the debt ceiling. We default on our debt and then everybody's credit rating goes down and interest rates go from, you know, 2% to 20% and the whole world crashes and the reserve currency now is in default and the whole thing comes crashing and burning down. And you wake up on a roadside ditch. Yeah. 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 That's what ends Face up happening. down in a ditch. It doesn't sound like we're about to talk about Afghanistan, but that's no, what we're going to talk yeah. about. So anyway. Hundreds of billions, this is from CNN, hundreds of billions, trillions, really, were spent by the U.S. and Afghanistan. Here are just 10 of the starkest examples of waste, fraud, and ab abuse. Something we've talked about for a long time. Number one, uh, Cabal's winter blanket. Kabul. Kabul. Okay, their winter blanket. The Tark Hill power plant is was commissioned in 2007 as a backup generator for the capital of Kabul, in case electricity supply from Uzbekistan was compromised. A vast modern structure ran on diesel-fueled turbines supplied by a brand-name engineering giant. Imagine that. <laughs> there was one catch. Afghanistan had very little supply of diesel of its own and had to ship the fuel in by truck, making the plant too expensive to run. The facility itself costs $335 million to build, a vast and modern structure, $335 million, and had an estimated annual fuel cost of $245 million. Annual fuel cost of $245 million. The most recent SIGAR assessment said, at best, it was used just 2.2% capacity at just 2.2% capacity, as the Afghan government could not afford the fuel, U.S. aid declined to comment. Yep. I would, too. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't like, want to comment. Yeah, I'm about not talking that. about that. Um, Imagine that it was a brand name engineering giant that was got the contract to go over there and build this 335 million dollar building and structure the whole thing. What a great! But they couldn't. Use, there was no plan for them to be able to use this. It was. It wasn't possible. They just had. They needed to spend money. They had money they needed to spend. Just like the forty-three million dollar gas natural gas station. That is. That's in the. That's in the story. All right. Well. Number two, a half billion dollar fleet of cargo planes that flew for a year. Afghanistan's uh, Afghanistan's f- uh, fledgling air force needed cargo planes. In two thousand eight, the Pentagon chose the G two twenty two, an Italian designed aircraft designed to take off and land on rough one- runways. Six years after the procurement was launched, the 16 aircraft delivered to Afghanistan were sold for scrap for $40,257. $40,000. The cost of the project, $540 million that they sold for $40,000. And you don't even have to apply this just to Afghanistan. This is what the government does with your money. This is what they do. Oh. They spent five hundred and forty-nine million dollars and sold it for scrap for forty thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, I'll if it I'll wasn't, do it would be hilarious if it didn't make you sick. I know. I'm sick. The thirty I'm sick. <clears throat> thirty-six million dollar Marine headquarters in the desert that was neither wanted nor used. Sixty-four thousand square foot control center. In the in the Helmand ep, epitomized oh in Helmand epitomized how when a project starts it often cannot be stopped. So this was an interesting one. Even the people that were going to be using it said beforehand that they didn't need it and they didn't want it, but they already had the project started, and so they had to spend the money. That's just what they had to do. The base commander and two other Marine generals said it was not needed as it would not be completed fast enough. Sopko, who was talking from the Cigar, S-I-G-A-R, said the thought of returning the funds allocated to Congress was so abhorrent to the contracting command that it was built anyway. The facility, so, the, so the leaders of the contracting, the contract command. Mm-hmm. Said that they couldn't return the funds, because you know how it is, if you don't use your budget, then they won't give you the money yeah. next year. The facility was never occupied. Camp Leatherneck was turned over to the Afghans who abandoned it. It cost $36 million, was never used, and seems to have been later stripped by the Afghans who also never used it. $28 million on an inappropriate camouflage pattern. By inappropriate, they mean not really suited for Afghanistan. In 2007, new uniforms were being ordered for the Afghan army. The Afghan defense minister, Wardock, said he wanted a rare camouflage pattern. It was called something forest. Pattern from a Canadian company, Hyperstealth. A total of 1.3 million sets were ordered. 1.3 million sets of this for the Afghan army, by the way. Costing $43 to $80 each, as opposed to $25 to $30 for the originally estimated for replacement uniforms. So, just twice as much as what they originally estimated. The uniforms were never tested or evaluated in the field. And there's just 2.1% forest cover in Afghanistan. They ordered forest camouflage uniforms. Hyperstealth. Yeah. In testimony, Sopko said it cost taxpayers an extra $28 million to buy the uniforms with a patented pattern. And Cigar projected in 2017 a different choice of the pattern could have saved the potential $72 million over the next decade. DoD spokesman Lobick said the report overestimated the cost and incorrectly discredited the value of the type of pattern selected, adding that a lot of the fighting in Afghanistan occurred in avertant areas. Mm. So they disputed that one. Okay, number five, $1.5 million daily, by the way. They spent this daily on fighting opium production. The U.S. spent $1.5 million a day on counter-narcotics programs from 2002 to 2018. 16 years. $1.5 million a day. A day. So, what is that? Five, a half a billion dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Just about. Uh, opium production was, according to the last cigar report, up in 2020 by 37% compared to the year before. That was the third highest yield since records began in 1994. In 2017, production was four times what it was in 2002. So, a couple trillion dollars spent wisely. So, they obviously. started this in 2002, spending $1.5 million a day. And by 2017, the production was four times what it was when they started in 2002. I think they were investing. Yeah. 
They were fighting it. They were investing. <laughs> Things that they were working against the it. poppy fields. And um, what what um, what Costco says very true. Like we're laughing at this because it's so ridiculous, you know. But we got to remember that this is our money that they took from us. That's why I said it'd be hilarious if it didn't make yeah. you want to puke. This is this is some of that money that they got to they got to raise taxes. They got to slow down the economy. They got to do all these mm-hmm. things. They got to inflate the weight of currency. And this is what they do. And it's not just in Afghanistan that this happens. These are just really good examples. Yeah. A lot of other really good examples out there. We'll get through these a little bit quicker. Number six, they spent $249 million on an incomplete road. Can't even so, build roads. Yeah. The, the, a section between the north, the towns of Kisar and Laman, led to $249 million being handed out to contractors, but only 15% of the road being built. So we paid in the money, but they didn't have to do the job. I want that job. <laughs> That's a good job. Number seven, $85 million on a hotel that never opened. An extensive hotel and apartment complex was commissioned next to the U.S. Embassy in, in Kabul, for which the U.S. government provided $85 million in loans. Um, the loans are gone, the uh, cigar concluded, and the buildings were never completed and are uninhabitable. Uh, uninhabitable. Uh, so the U S embassy is now forced to, and this is, they're now forced to provide security for the site and additional costs. So they didn't fix it, but then they were still having to provide security for it. This is unbelievable. It's great. I'll do a couple. Um, the fund that spent more on itself than Afghanistan. So the Pentagon created the task force for business and stability operations or Tibisco. <laughs> they're not as good at coming up with acronyms <laughs> no. over there <laughs> at the Pentagon. <laughs> Expanded from Iraq to include Afghanistan in 2009, for whose operations in Afghanistan, Congress set aside $823 million. Over half the money actually spent by TFBSO, $360 million of $675 million that they actually spent, was spent on indirect and support costs, not directly on projects in Afghanistan. They spent it on themselves, creating their bureaucracy that was going to distribute this money. Cigar concluded an audit. An audit also concluded the fund spent about $6 million on supporting the cashmere industry, $43 million on a compressed natural gas station. We've talked about that one. And $150 million on high-end villas for its staff. Well, at least they got to live comfortably. God. They, you realize they, they're, they're going to create this thing with an $823 million budget, and they spent $360 million just facilitating their own bureaucracy to distribute the $823 million budget. It's criminal is what it is. So disgusting. It's criminal. Oh, gosh. Uh, 2015 healthcare facility in the sea. 2015 report and the USAID's funding of healthcare facilities in Afghanistan said that over a third of the 510 projects they they were given coordinates for they didn't even go to, they just gave them coordinates for, oh, here's how we did this uh, healthcare facility in Afghanistan. Let me give you the coordinates on the GPS. That's where it is, I swear. They did not exist in those locations. <laughs> a third of them. 13 were not even located in Afghanistan, with one of the coordinates located in the Mediterranean Sea. 30 were located in the province different from the one that USAID reported. 189 showed no physical structure within 400 feet of reported coordinates. So they're looking for the building to see where it is that they, that they spent. It's not there. It's, it's just not there. People just took the money. Just under half of these locations showed no physical structure within half a mile of the reported coordinates. The audit said USAID and the Afghan Ministry of Public Health could only provide oversight of these facilities if they know where they are. USAID declined to comment. Good. Uh, God in heaven. And the last one, number 10 here. At least $19 billion was lost to waste, fraud, and abuse, according to Cigar, the independent audit here. On October 2020, report uh, presented a startling total for the war. Congress at the time had appropriated $134 billion since 2002 for reconstruction in Afghanistan. Cigar was only allowed, they were only able to review $63 billion of it, about half. I guess the rest was probably classified. Yeah. They concluded that 19 billion of that, 19 billion of the 63 billion, almost one third, was lost to waste, fraud, and abuse. 
a third of the amount that they were able to look at. Now, what percentage of the amount they weren't allowed to look at do you think was lost to waste, fraud, and abuse? At least a third. At I'd least say. a third, if not more, since they weren't allowed to look at it. This is a uh, this is the government, folks. This, this is this is how well they take care of you and how they just they care about your dollars. And the problem is, I know the problem. They don't have enough money. That's what it is. The problem is that people are hiding. Jeff Bezos is hoarding wealth. Yes. That is the problem. That's the problem. The problem here, I don't know if you heard everything we just said, but what we basically outlined is the fact that Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are hoarding all the wealth. And Billy Gates. And that is why the government can't do a good job mm. at things. They can't adequately That's why adequately we have crumbling infrastructure and mm-hmm. uh, people aren't educated and the schools are falling apart and, uh, you know, no one cares about health care. <sighs> there it is, folks. Yesterday's and episode you wonder was way why, less you wonder why libertarians get mad about stupid things, mm-hmm. right? And we're seen as, you know, people that are, complain about dumb things and we don't talk about reality and all those oh, things. We don't want to help people either. We, we don't, don't care about anyone. Don't want to help anybody, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But you read something like this and you're just like, what the hell is going on? What is going on? Why are people not in jail? Why are the prisons not populated <laughs> with people that are robbing you? Just because this, this is just so disgusting. You think Congress is going to pass a law putting themselves in prison? <laughs> you it's said, so why gross. Not, why they're not populated with people that are robbing you? <laughs> oh. Okay, anyway, well, well, on that bright note... Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I hope you guys are having a good day and just really enjoying <laughs> where you're at in life as you drive down the road and contemplate um, how happy you are that you live in the land of the free and the home of the home of the waste. That, that's I just hope you guys are really happy about that. Yeah. Anyway, we do this because like we have to point out these types of things. I think Rand Paul does a good job of this in, in the Senate. Um, where he does his pork report or whatever he does once a year. It's the, the Festivus. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so we, we need more of this. We got to point these kind of things out. And then we also have to, we have to invoke change to get principled Liberty people in there to scale back this type of thing. And this is why Liberty is so important. So despite your feelings of sadness and uh, sickness <laughs> at this point, at the end of the show, I know you guys still enjoyed it. So please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, sign up uh, to be part of the live show. It's uh, goodmorningliberty.locals.com is where you need to go for that. It's not a dating site, by the way. It's just for you to connect with us uh, through our Discord channel, watch the show live, get all kinds of other goodies. So um, subscribe, share the show with the children, um, and then leave us that rating and review. If you guys do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good Morning, Liberty. (laughs) I was waiting for you to press the button.